Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team draft experts and talent scouts mock drafts and a few shock drafts too nfl total access the podcast is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from OB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you on this Saturday with another podcast as it is going to be Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio joining me in the second segment. We recorded this thinking that the Cleveland Indians would still have a shot at the postseason, but with that said, needless to say, things aren't necessarily going well there. They lose two straight to the Chicago White Sox. They wind up losing to the Washington Nationals yesterday, and well, now it looks like we have a playoff picture that is set with really the big question being who's going to have home field for the wild card games and whether or not the Brewers are going to be able to win the NL Central. So that is a little bit of a bummer there, but needless to say, still a very good guess. And he's going to be giving you a little bit of advice because I know that we have a lot of futures players out there. He's going to give you advice on hedging some of those whether or not to hedge and all that good stuff. So that is going to be terrific. In the final segment of this podcast, I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and something I like to call touch them all. Typically in the first part of the podcast, I like to go through and I like to recap all of yesterday's results, try to find some trends and try to make you better handicappers from it. Problem is right now with a lot of these games, These pitchers are not going to be pitching again until 2020. You've got a lot of teams that are putting out their B-team players as well, so you're not getting true lineups. So the trends I'd be giving you are not trends that are going to be bettable again really until 2020. And 
I don't want to be giving you information that is not going to be useful. So what's going to be happening is the final couple days of the regular season after today, I'm actually just going to be doing a little bit of a look ahead to the playoffs, giving you like the bullpen ERA of all these teams, uh, pitchers are most and least profitable, everything like that. So you're going to get actual information that you can use in your handicapping just because going through and recapping 20 minutes of results is not going to do a whole lot of good when the Kansas City Royals, well, they've got two games left in the regular season. You're not going to be able to use that very much. And when are you going to see someone like Danny Duffy of the Kansas City Royals pitching again? It's going to be a while. So that's how I'm going to operate with this. So be on the lookout for that. Did want to alert you with that. And also number two, my girlfriend wanted to go out for dinner tonight. So you know what? That also took a little bit of priority. But we'll stick with first part as well. And it is really true. I don't want to be giving you guys some information that you're not going to be able to bet on or anything like that. So that is why I'm going to be taking that approach. We're going to be taking a look also at some of the pitchers that had better first halves and second halves, worse second halves and first halves, looking at the splits of like Martin Perez of the Minnesota Twins and everything like that and why you should be looking to fade him because his numbers aren't representative of what he's done in the second half. So going to be helping you guys out in that regard. You're going to be very good handicappers for the postseason. And I will say on this podcast, each last two years, September has been my worst month for handicapping. October last year was my best month of handicapping. So hopefully that holds true. But we're also every single day going to be doing the Twitter mailbag. You can always tweet that in at GeneNerdsCourty1 and always tweet those into the timelines and not the DMs. The DMs have absolutely no seating whatsoever. You're not able to get in, but you are able to get into some great concerts, some great stadiums, events, you name it, thanks to our good sponsor, Vivid Seats. If you go to the Vivid Seats app, type in the promo code OVERTIME. That is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you are a first-time customer. You get $100 off of all tickets. That is concerts, games, you name it. You are able to get up to $100 off of all of it. Just type in the promo code OVERTIME, be a first-time user, and you know what? You're going to get that nice discount. So now let's take a look at some of the questions that you guys sent me for today. So you have questions, and Greg, may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. No Twitter handle is really going to get credit for this one just because I had this come in left, right, and sideways with the doubleheader of the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago White Sox getting canceled yesterday. This means that these two teams will not be playing a full 162 games, and so many people are asking, what happens if you have a season win total? And for some of you guys with the Chicago White Sox, you're actually sweating this one out. Now, if you've got a Detroit Tigers ticket, you, well, you know that you're probably either going to have the over or the under, depending on how you bet it. If you are sweating out your Detroit Tigers season win total ticket, I don't know what number you got, but with the Chicago White Sox, it is something that is still up in the air. I know that so many people had like 73 and a half and stuff like that. And what happens with your ticket is, first of all, check the book because all these different shops, all these different books, they do this a little bit differently. Now, most books in Vegas, you have action. Whether 162 games get played, 161, 160, you name it, you do have action pretty much after March of 2019. As long as there were games played there, you have action. So needless to say, that is the case. But there are some books out there in which you might be able to get a refund. So it is one of these situations where you want to check by the book. I do think that that's a very good question because you see it happen once every couple years and you're seeing it happen once again. Team not play 
a full 162 games. And honestly, I don't think that anyone said that the Detroit Tigers are not going to give us our full 162 because, well, let's face it, they have not been very good. But we also got this question from Rye. You can follow him on Twitter at RY34164. 219 at of all the sports you handicap. Which sport do you like watching the most for non-betting purposes? And my answer to this would actually be college basketball. I enjoy watching baseball and everything like that, but I think that most of us would agree the juice ball has really affected my interest in baseball just because I always like station to station playing. So many people, I know that Steve Heitner has said this on our podcast. That's cool with Steve Heitner, one of the podcasts that I do. He has said that he would rather see like a walk-off, single walk-off, double something like that rather than a walk-off homer. And I think it is so true because now you're seeing every at-bat be either a strikeout, walk, or home run. It's one of those things where I wish there was a little bit more base stealing and everything like that in baseball, which is why I do like college basketball just because you get so many different styles. You get teams like Duke versus North Carolina. They're looking to put up 90 points and then... And you get a team out there like Loyola, Chicago. They're looking to win a first of 55 game and everything like that. And you get so many guys that they're trying so hard. Sometimes in baseball, you've been noticing it with some of these teams. They just go into a rut. Sometimes they're not giving it their full effort. So that's why I say college basketball. So hopefully the MLB does the correct decision and they go with the unjuiced ball for next year. Because that did have a big effect on the way that we were handicapping totals and everything like that. And it certainly is going to have a little bit of an effect on the postseason. So... Like I said, did the Twitter mailbag today. I'll be doing it every day. And if you have any suggestions that you'd like in the first segment for these next couple days, let me know. At GNRSquarty1, if there's something that you want me to look at, a specific category like home runs per plate appearance with some of these playoff teams and everything like that. If that's something that you have a lot of interest in, please do let me know. And one other note, I will be doing game recaps once we get to the postseason as well because those wildcard games and everything like that, you're going to have a lot of bettable action with the bullpens, how guys are performing, and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of that. So don't worry. This is just a temporary thing where I'm not going to be recapping the results just because even with the playoff teams, they're shutting so many guys for, down for the rest of the regular season like Ronald Acuna and company, and you you got so many pitchers that you're not going to be able to bet on again for next year's. So hopefully you guys understand and hopefully you guys enjoy the sex segment with our guest Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio. Not necessarily the greatest audio quality in the world you're going to hear that but certainly some great information. He's going to be talking a little bit about the Cleveland Indians. He's going to be talking about the playoff picture and he's going to be talking about some good angles for this week and good angles if you have future tickets. So that's going to be a lot of fun and that comes up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Pearson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. Great to have on our next guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods, one of the best Twitter handles that you're going to find. And this is a man that does tremendous work for Bang the Book Radio. And he is also based out there in the city of Cleveland and with the Cleveland Indians. Right now, on the fritz a little bit with regards to their playoff hopes, but still alive. I figured that this would be the perfect man to call in, as it is Adam Burke joining me at the Cleveland Indians. They wake up, and they need to get some wins against the Washington Nationals. It's been an interesting team in general to follow, and I do think that one thing that the Indians have going in their favor is the fact that Jose Ramirez has come back, and he's looked very good at his first two games against the Chicago White Sox, he hit three home runs. He had that seven RBI game. That has been huge. 
How big of an impact do you think that is for this lineup? Because as we know, the lineup was revamped during the trade deadline. They bring in Famio Reyes and Yasiel Puig. But I think that not having Jose Ramirez might be what makes or breaks whether or not this team gets into the postseason. And perhaps he can even save their season at this point. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, you look at the guys that were replacing him while he was out. You know, you had Mike Freeman up until Jason Kipnis got hurt. Decent utility player, not an everyday guy. Yu Chang was out there for a little bit as well. And then Ryan Flaherty, you know, a longtime uh, farmhand and utility infielder gets the call up and gets some plate appearances. And I mean, look, the difference between Jose Ramirez and those guys, it's just astronomical. Even if it doesn't help the Indians for this season, and quite frankly, I don't think that it will, it will help Jose Ramirez going forward because one of the concerns with the hamate bone surgery is that sometimes players don't come back with the same level of power. So at least Ramirez can go into the offseason with some idea that you know, his power probably isn't going anywhere, should be ready to start better next year because if you think about it, he got off to a very, very bad start this season. Still going to be a three-war player for the Indians, but not at all what they expected and maybe the reason why they're not going to make the playoffs in all likelihood. Oh, I remember going into like early July, he was hitting like 210. After the All-Star break, this guy was absolutely tremendous, but pre-All-Star break, Jose Ramirez was just an absolute hot mess. I don't know what happened there, but needless to say, he certainly has picked it up since then. And a guy that was a hot mess to start out with and has picked it up ever since then, how about the man that's going to be pitching on Saturday for the Cleveland Indians, Adam Pluko? 7-4 record, 425 ERA. Still giving up right around 1.8 to 1.9 home runs per nine innings for the season. But this is a guy that over his last six starts has given up more than 300 runs in just one of them. He was a guy that you really couldn't rely upon in his first couple starts. But he's been giving the team some very solid innings recently. And I wouldn't say that Adam Pluko, by any stretch of the imagination, is the exact guy that you want to try out there on Saturday. But... I think that we could go from, oh, no, it's Adam Pluko to, well, Yeah, I it's think Adam so, Pluko. too. One quick note on Jose Ramirez. I actually tweeted this. In his first game back, two home runs, seven RBI against the White Sox. In the entire month of May, two home runs, eight RBI for Jose Ramirez. And all of March and April, wow. two home runs, nine RBI. So, yeah, his start to the season was very, very ugly, to say the least. The thing about Adam Plutko is this. You know, I mean, this year, he's made a pretty good adjustment. He's an extreme fly ball pitcher. Last year, gave up a ton of home runs. This year, he's pitching to a little bit higher of a launch angle. I'm not exactly sure what difference he wound up making there. It's something I'll look into over the offseason and have something to talk about for next year because he could very well be Cleveland's fifth starter next year. But that's the thing. He's staying off of the barrel just enough to be effective. So he's actually not a bad guy to bet on in really good pitchers parks. Uh, against lineups that maybe don't hit for a whole lot of power. We'll see how he fares here against Washington over the weekend, especially if Washington already has home field in the wild card sewn up or, or whatever the case may be. Who knows what their lineup could look like over the weekend, but Plutko's been good enough. He's a guy that throughout his career has been okay against right-handed batters. You know what? When you look at how Aaron Savali has developed, how Shane Bieber has developed, Mike Clevenger's a front-of-the-line rotation guy now. Plutko was able to at least eat some innings for this team and can be a valuable, you know, fifth, sixth, or seventh starter next year for them. Maybe save them a little bit of money in free agency to spend on something else. I do agree with you there as we have Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio joining me right here on the podcast. And another young guy that you didn't mention, how about the guy that started on Friday for this team in Zach Plesak? It's been really interesting to watch him the last six starts because going into Friday, 
He had given up four or more earned runs in four out of the last six starts, but sprinkled in there a complete game shutout in which he looked absolutely masterful against the LA Angels. What are your thoughts on him? Because he's got an ERA hovering right around at 3-7-ish, but his fielding independent is above a 5, which means that he's probably been a little bit lucky this year. When you talk about the four components of FIP, strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches, and home runs, low strikeout rate, which wasn't really the case in the minors. It was relatively average. It was maybe a little bit below average. I think next year he's got the opportunity for more strikeouts. Also, the home run rate was never high in the minor leagues. So maybe the juiced ball, maybe just an adjustment. Keep in mind, AAA using the juiced ball here this year, only four starts, 26 and a third innings. So maybe a little bit of an adjustment for Plesak to the different baseball. Uh, but again, the Indians have such a good track record here of late with guys that don't walk a lot of people and guys that have pretty good command. And Plesak projects as both. So I think next year, he can be a guy that should be better, probably a FIP in the low fours, 415, 420, something like that. ERA, probably 380, 390. We'll see how much they need him next year with Corey Kluber back, and we'll see what happens with Carlos Carrasco. But again, good depth for the Indians, and, and a guy like Plesak has the bloodline and has really good potential. Something else that the Cleveland Indians really need, a little bit of help here from the Oakland A's, and they get... Well, let's face it, a little bit of an easier series against the Seattle Mariners, but Brad Anderson, pretty good pitcher for the Oakland A's, 12-9 record for ERA. He's done a very good job of keeping the ball in the yard. He certainly is not a swing and miss guy. Right around five or so strikeouts per nine innings, but he's giving up just a tad over a home run per nine innings. But I will say this, for the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, they trot out there really the only starter you could trust in a Marco Gonzalez. 16-12 record, 409 ERA. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings. He's actually been very good for the Seattle Mariners. Do you think there's a shot here that the Seattle Mariners as an underdog might be able to pull this one off? Because we know that the Oakland A's mash lefties and they mash them very well. But Marco Gonzalez has actually had a decent track record against the A's as well. Brett Anderson, I mean, again, you know, he's very effective at what he does. A very high ground ball rate. Very, very good infield defense there for Oakland. So he's a tough guy to beat, even though he doesn't have the sexiest statistical profile. I think Oakland still takes care of business here in this game, and I'd get it early. And, you know, if you think that Marco Gonzalez can maybe hang a little bit, wait this one out. You should get a juicier plus money prize. I do agree with you there, as we've got Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio joining me right here on the podcast. And I know that the Minnesota Twins already have things sewn up in the division and everything like that, and they're going to be facing off against the Kansas City Royals. So the Kansas City Royals... Well, we all know that they're not anything special, and Glenn Sparkman is going to be going up against Martin Perez. But with Martin Perez, this is a guy that got off to a very good start to the year, seen his ERA balloon up to a five ever since the All-Star break. This guy has been an absolute hot mess, and it's my one trepidation right now with the Minnesota Twins going into the playoffs. Their pitching has really regressed. Jose Barrios has given up three earned runs or more in pretty much all but one of his starts ever since the beginning of the month of August. You've got Martin Perez being all Martin Perez. I will say Jake Odorizzi has been very good for the team, but past that, you don't have a lot of redeeming qualities other than a guy like a Randy Dobnik for the Minnesota Twins. I think they're a fade team this weekend. You know, they're not going to catch Houston. They're not going to catch New York for, you know, any sort of home field in the division series. And for Kansas City, you know, with Ned Yost walking away, I think the Royals are still engaged this weekend. And I would say the same thing about the San Francisco Giants as well with Bruce Bochy. A couple teams I'd probably want to play on this weekend in underdog roles or, you know, for San Francisco here, of course, they take on the Dodgers. So they probably will be in some underdog roles as well. I think Kansas City shows up to play here. I'm not so sure about Minnesota. And a lot of teams are going to do this this weekend where 
They try to set their pitchers up for the playoffs or for that wild card game. So guys may only go five innings and throw 60 pitches. Maybe they won't, you know, test their bullpen arms too much. So you got to keep that in mind with these big favorites and these playoff teams that have things in the future to worry about. I think Minnesota being one of them, I actually kind of think Kansas City may be able to pull off the upset in that game on Saturday. And like I said, I'd look at both them and the Giants this weekend. Absolutely. And we already went through the Washington Nationals since, well, they're playing the Cleveland Indians. Both those teams have playoff expectations and a team in the Milwaukee Brewers. They are actually still playing for the division. Everyone was talking about whether or not they'd be the wild card after their win against the Cincinnati Reds on Thursday. They wound up being 18 and 2 in their last 20 games going into their series with the Colorado Rockies. And it's going to be Brandon Woodruff getting the ball for the Milwaukee Brewers. I will say this his last two starts, he's won right around two innings. The Brewers are essentially using him as a pseudo opener at this point. You think that there's actually a chance that the Brewers might be able to pull this off and win the NL Central because the St. Louis Cardinals are going to have to play against the Cubs, a Cubs team that. Let's face it, they look downtrodden, they look down in the dumps, but with that said, it is still Cubs versus Cardinals, and you got to think that Joe Mann's going to have so much pride, and he's going to try to get his team to victory, if at all possible. There's certainly a chance. I mean, you got to give the Brewers a ton of credit. A lot of guys with stones on that team with Christian Yelich injury, and then they still go out there. I mean, look, this was a team until a couple of days ago had a negative run differential for the season. And they're 19 games over 500 as we're recording. We'll see what they do here this weekend against Colorado, a Colorado team that has played a little bit better here of late. But, you know, obviously they're looking towards the future and trying to figure out what they have, whereas Milwaukee's just trying to win games. And, and that's important to keep in mind here, too. Some of these guys making their last starts of the year that could be part of the equation for next year or may not be, stuff like that, whereas the Brewers – they're managing to win the game. Brandon Woodruff will go as long as he's going to go, and then they're going to do everything they can to try and close that gap with St. Louis. So you got to look Milwaukee or nothing here, not just in Saturday's game, but probably Sunday too. I do agree with you. And Adam, anything in regards to baseball that you're looking at, either for this weekend or moving forward? Because let's face it, I know a lot of people are going to be staying away from baseball this weekend because you do have a lot of games that, and all air quotes here, are meaningless. But obviously when you get to the playoffs, that's when everything ramps up. And me personally, I had my best betting month of the year during October last year when you knew that every team was going to be given their all and you sort of knew that, okay, these are going to be the pitching rotations and everything like that. And there aren't going to be a whole bunch of mysteries where you might have it in like game 127 of the season. The one thing I would say, and, and this is just kind of a tale for everybody out there that has some futures investment on any of these teams in the playoffs I mean, look, the, the easy thing to do, obviously, is to hedge with a series price, go on the other side, you know, kind of try to guarantee some profit that way. But I think you can also look for some creative solutions. You know, I had a listener of my show, Bang the Book Radio, who reached out about a Twins future and said, you know, what do I do with this? Considering the Twins will be a pretty clear underdog against the Yankees if that's who they wind up playing. And everybody knows the history, the recent history between the Yankees and the Twins. Minnesota just can't beat them. So look for creative things, maybe playing, you know, Houston and New York to win the AL pennant or maybe the World Series, something like that. You don't necessarily have to go right to the series price. You could maybe wait, look for an adjusted series price if you think game one may go one way or the other or play some pennant or some World Series futures. Because, again, you've been holding this investment for six months and 162 games. Got to make something out of it and try to maximize your profit potential however you can. 
I cannot agree with you anything more. And I'm sure that there's something that you can also agree with. And that's the fact that you do tremendous work for Bang the Book Radio. People can follow you at Skating Tripods. Adam, like to close it up with this. Let the good people at home know where they can get a little bit more of your work and just what you all do because you do a great job in baseball, NFL handicapping. You're a guy that covers a little bit of everything and you do a tremendous job of being able to cover it all. Yeah, kind of a jack of all trades over at bangthebook.com. I even cover stuff like NASCAR and UFC and you know NHL, NBA, college basketball, and of course, NFL, college football, MLB, pretty much all of it over there. We talk about a lot of those sports and leagues on Bang the Book Radio as well. Every Monday through Friday, we record around 11 a.m. Eastern time, usually available by 12.30 or 1, and you can find all the archived shows and segments over at bangthebook.com and also on all of the different podcast hosting sites that are out there. Terrific. A big thanks to Adam Burke for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time of the podcast in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so on something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. Big thanks to Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting as we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios. Now it is that time, the podcast, in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Typically, this is where I say some of these plays are all locked in, good to go, bet on, and everything like that. I'm waiting on others. Right now, none of these plays are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. We are in Wayne Seymour on so many of these because, for one, you've got so many roster changes with this being the final weekend of the season that you really do want to be waiting a little bit more on some of these. You also want to be paying attention to, like, managerial press conferences and everything like that. That'll give you a good beat on who's going to be getting some rest, who's actually going to be going. That way you could judge motivation a little bit more as well. And this is a situation where we also have a lot of games that are off the board. Over half the games are off the board. So there's going to be a lot of volume on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarty1 where I'm going to be giving you guys any changes I have to this podcast. Everything that is locked in is going to be posted there. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to be starting in Las Vegas rotation order as always. And that begins with 901, 902 on the banger as you've got the LA Dodgers and they are on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb goes for the Giants. Meanwhile, Hunjin Ryu for the Dodgers. This is a game that is presently off the board and for Hunjin Ryu, bottom's really falling out for him. Over his last five starts, he's got an ERA north of six. And for Logan Webb, this is a guy that's been highly inconsistent. He's made quite a few starts ever since the middle of the month of August. He's made seven in total. He's got a 561 ERA. I will say though, he has seen his production climb in every one of his starts in the month of September. He gave up seven runs while recording eight outs in his first start against the Cardinals. He then gives up four and four and two-thirds against the Pirates. He gives up three and five against the Boston Red Sox. And his last start against the Atlanta Braves on the road, one run over the course of six innings. So 
Things going very well there. Meanwhile, for Hanjin Ryu, this was a guy that about a month and a half ago, we were on this podcast talking about his like 1-6 ERA. He has now given up three earned runs or more in all but one of his last six starts. So needless to say, things have not been going well there, though I will say he's given up a grand total of six earned runs over the course of three starts in the month of September. So he does seem to be finding himself with the Dodgers. You got to think that they're going to be resting a couple starters here as well. This is a team that has just about everything sewn up that they could ever want. And you saw on Friday the fact that they were actually trotting out there their A-team. So that is also a very good note. You got... Chris Taylor, Corey Seager, along with A.J. Pollock, all in between a 264 and a 274. Cody Bellinger was in the lineup yesterday. He's in a 346 home runs, 114 RBI. Max Muncy and Jack Peterson, both have between 34 and 35 home runs. Both these men hitting at 250. Will Smith, he likes hitting home runs. He's getting one every 12 at bats, hitting right around 245. Gavin Lux and Kiki Hernandez, both hitting between a 235 and a 240. They've both been solid. And for the San Francisco Giants, God think that this team is going to want to send out Bruce Bochy on a high note. you got Mikey Strums along with Evan Longoria and Kevin Pillar, all with 20 to 21 home runs. In the case of Longoria, along with Kevin Pillar and throwing there Stephen Voigt and Buster Posey, all these guys hitting between a 255 and a 265 for Mike Ustromski, more around a 275. You've got Mauricio Dubin, along with Adam Dickerson hitting between a 280 and a 290, so they have been certainly picking things up. And then you got the Brandons, Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belting between a 228 and a 238. And this is a situation which you got to look at the bullpens, the San Francisco Giants bullpen, top in the big leagues all year long with regards to ERA and over the last three days it's in the top five. Meanwhile the Dodgers third best ERA for the year in the National League. That is certainly a good angle with Hunjin Ryu struggling the way that he is. If you're getting like a $2 price on the San Francisco Giants which I think might be the case. Might want to take a look at the Giants. They're about 500 as a underdog straight up so they've been good there. Though I will say they're just 35 and 43 at home and on the road though the Dodgers are much more dominant at home. 44 and 34 still a respectable mark. So if you're looking at a $2 underdog, probably going to be looking at the Giants and any total of 8 probably going to be looking in an under, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Junior's where you won for set plays there. 903-904 on the bank rotation is next. You've got the Miami Marlins in the road to face off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Eflin goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. Meanwhile, Caleb Smith for the Miami Marlins. Your total on this game is 9 over and under, both at minus 110. With the Marlins, you're getting plus 152. Laying it with the Philadelphia Phillies is going to cost you minus 162, and this is a spot where I've got to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. Caleb Smith got off to a very nice start to the year, and actually coming off the injured list, he wasn't too bad, but this is a gentleman that has given up three or more earned runs in all but two of his starts ever since August 4th. This is just not going well for him. I believe that that's a course of eight starts that he's given up three plus and six of them. So one of these situations where you can't really look to him. And for the Miami Marlins, bullpen all year long. I don't care what split you're looking at. They've been at the very best in the bottom 10, the big leagues with regards to ERA at the very worst in the bottom three. They just don't have any arms that you can rely upon. Though I will say this for the Miami Marlins. You do have a couple guys that are starting to be able to get on base and give this team a little bit of production in that regard as you've got John Birdie, Harold Ramirez, and Miguel Rojas all in between a 270 and a 280. You then have guys like Sterling Castro, Neil Walker and company. These guys are doing a solid job on getting on base, but you're noticing quite a few guys with famine bats in the 
in the fold as he's on Diaz, Lewis Brents, and Curtis Granderson all hitting below at 200. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, looks like JT Reed Muto season might be done, but you still do have a pair of guys that are in between a 275 and a 285 in Cesar Hernandez and Gene Segura. You then have Scott Kingery, Bryce Harper, along with Adam Hasili hitting between a 255 and a 260. In the case of Harper, he's been doing a good job, 110 RBI. He's got 33 home runs. He and Reese Hoskins both have an on base between a 365 and a 375, but for Hoskins, only hitting right around a 230, 29 home runs, but most of those came in the front half of the year. Then you got guys like Mikel Franco, Brad Miller. These are guys hitting a 240 or lower. Sergio Rodriguez has been a little bit of a hot mess as well, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, their bullpen ever since the All-Star break has actually been pretty solid. It has failed them in some pretty big moments, and Zach Eflin wound up failing them in a big moment as well, because coming back from being essentially relegated from the bullpen, he had been pretty good. He really got his first start on August 17th, and he had given up three earned runs or fewer in a grand total of six straight starts. He gives up five runs and five innings against Washington Nationals a few days ago, but he does look to be in a little bit of better form. As of right now, we're going to be looking at the Phillies on the run line and the total over. Currently, with the Phillies run line, that is hovering between a plus 110 and a plus 115. Would like to be able to get a little bit of better juice there. And with regards to this over, certainly would like to be able to get more of an even price rather than laying the minus 110, but certainly going to be on it either way. We're looking at 905-906 on the betting rotation, and that is the Cincinnati Reds, and they are going to be hitting the road, facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Going for the Buckos, you've got James Marble, and for the Cincinnati Reds, it is currently to be determined, both on the Vegas betting board and ESPN. We have no earthly idea who's going to be trotting out there for the Cincinnati Reds, but we do know this about the Cincinnati Reds. This is a bullpen that, with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break, bottom eight in the big leagues, it has not been good all year long, and James Marvel was actually marvelous at the AAA level, ERA below three. He's given up right around a home run per nine innings, actually a little bit below that. He's doing a good job of being able to get swings and misses. He's made three starts at the show so far, and it has not gone well. He's given up a grand total of 14 runs over the course of 12 and a third innings. Now, I will say that two of those starts were on the road. One was against the Cubs. The other was against the Milwaukee Brewers, but with that said, things are not necessarily going well for him. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is also the team with the worst ERA with regards to their bullpen in the big leagues over the last 30 days. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've also got Josh Bell and Sterling Marte out of the fold, which means that you're relying upon a whole bunch of guys that you hope are going to be able to deliver a little bit of a batting average. And you do have a couple of them, Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds, both hitting above a 300 for this bunch. And then you got quite a few guys that are hitting between, I would say, a 265 and a 280 or so. Adam Frazier, Melky Cabrera, Jose Uzuna, Jacob Stallings, all in that fold. And Eric Gonzalez is hitting a 260 as well. But this is a team with the fewest home runs in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. And for the Cincinnati Reds, you got the guy with the most home runs in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break in Eugenio Suarez. He's got 49 home runs since the All-Star break. He leads the league. And you got a couple guys for the Cincinnati Reds doing a solid job of getting a base as he, Philip Irvin, along with Joey Votto and Adi Cedia Sacchino in between a 265 and a 275. Got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up a little bit as Blandino, Jose Peraza, Kirk Casale, along with Tucker Barnard. List of guys goes on and on throwing their Kyle Farmer are rolling between a 225 and a 245. You are getting a little bit of something out of a couple of the utility guys as well, but it hasn't been much with guys like Josh Van Meter and company. It's been highly inconsistent, and this is a spot where I'm certainly probably going to be looking at some form of an over with the way these two teams are playing. The Pittsburgh Pirates, top over team out there in the big leagues. They played right around 59 to 60% of their games for the year to the over, and in regards to home games, more around 65% of their games to the over. So going to be looking at that with with regards to the side, it's going to depend 
find out who's pitching for the Cincinnati Reds because really hard to give you a side when I have no earthly idea who's going to be pitching for the Cincinnati Reds. So that's what a trick back in the morning on my Twitter feed on 4. 907-908 on the bag rotation is X. The New York Mets are going to be playing hosts to the Atlanta Braves. Mike Fultonavich goes for the Bravos. Meanwhile, Steven Matz for the Mets. Your total on this game is 8.5. The under is juice minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Braves, you're going to be getting even juice. Meanwhile, with the New York Mets, you're laying minus 110. And for Steven Matz, this is a guy that from... I would say mid to late August until mid to late September have been doing a very good job with this team, but the bottom wound up falling out on him at just the wrong time as in his last start, he wound up getting a little bit chillaxed by the Miami Marlins. He winds up giving up a grand total of six runs over the course of five innings and then the start before that on the road against the Colorado Rockies, seven runs and four innings. That is right now a little bit of a difference as to why the Mets are not playing meaningful baseball, but for the New York Mets, you certainly do back him up with a pretty good lineup, including a trio of guys in J.D. Davis, Amid Rosario, and Wilson Ramos that all have a batting average of a 320 or higher ever since the All-Star break. This team is in the top three with regards to batting average ever since the All-Star break. You still have Jeff McNeil out there in the fold. He's been doing a very good job. He got the day off yesterday, but he's been hitting a 320 with an on-base percentage right around a 380 for the year. Pete Alonso is still gunning for that home run crown. He got his 52nd of the year yesterday. He has 119 RBI as well. Got a couple guys in Juan Lagarce and Brandon Nimmo in the outfield hitting below a 220 and Thomas Nito has been getting a couple starts at the catcher spot. He's hitting just above the Mendoza line, but you've got the Todd Father, Todd Frazier. He's trying to make you an offer that you can't refuse with 21 home runs and a 245 batting average. You've also got Robinson Cano hitting right around 8260, so pretty formidable lineup. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they are going to be resting Ronald Acuna Jr. This is a guy that's hitting a 280 with 41 home runs and just under 40 stolen bases. But you still have a lot of guys with some pop in the bat. Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Nick Barcakis, Matt Joyce, all in between a 290 and a 300. And in the case of Freddie Freeman, this is a guy with over 110 RBI, 38 home runs. Josh Sean has a 260 batting average. He has went deep 36 times. Team is kicking the tires on a couple of guys. Guys like Billy Hamilton, Francisco Cervelli, and Denny Echeverria were cast offs on other teams. And Adam Duvall is going to be a outfielder that this team is going to try to use. He's come up in the system and he's been doing a solid job. And Dansby Swanson is back in the fold as well. He's sitting above a 250. He had a good day yesterday. So this is one of these situations in which I am going to be trusting in the Atlanta Braves because Mike Fultonavich, ever since getting recalled from AAA, has been absolutely terrific. When he got sent down to the minor leagues, his ERA was just below a 7. He was giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. Ever since then, he's been masterful. And you take a look at what he's done in the month of September. In September, he has went an average of six and a half innings per start, and he's given up two runs over the course of 26 innings. He has been absolutely terrific. Heck, you even take a look at the month of August. In his last three starts in August, he gave up two runs or fewer in each of those last three. So this is a situation where we're going to be trusting in the Atlanta Braves, and we're probably going to be looking at an over. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression that sets in for Mr. Fultonavich, and I do think that Steven Matz continues to get shelled as well, and I'm probably going to be looking at the Braves on the run line if they wind up being a favorite as well, because right now they're a slight underdog, so we're right now waiting to see about both of those, but that's where I'm leaning. 909-910 on the bang rotation is X. We've got the Chicago Cubs in the road to face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the cards. Meanwhile, Cole Hamels for the Chicago Cubs. Draw in this game's 8.5. Overjuice of minus 120. Under is even. If you're looking at the St. Louis Cardinals, that's minus 185. Plus price here on the Cubbies is plus 170. And this is a spot where you've got to think that Cole Hamels is going to be giving max effort. If you heard his comments, this is a gentleman that says that he wants to prove that he is fully healthy and that he has his team's back before going in free agency. So that is something that you'd like to hear because with Cole Hamels, 
for the first part of the year before he went on the injured list. He was absolutely terrific. He gave up more than three earned runs in just one start prior to then. Ever since coming off the injured list, he has given up three earned runs or more in quite a few of them. You even just stated back from August 8th on. He has given up three earned runs or more in a grand total of four starts, and he hasn't been lasting long. In the month of September, he has not went past four and a third innings, and he has not went past six in a single start since coming off the injured list, so obviously that is a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for Adam Wainwright. On the road, his ERA is actually above a six, but at home, he has been absolutely terrific. ERA is below a three, and you just take a look at what he's done in the month of September. He gave up a five spot in five innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks in his last start, but that was once again a road start. You take a look at the three starts previous. Three of them were at home. One was on the road against the Pittsburgh Pirates, so might as well have been a home start. He went a grand total of 27 innings, giving up a one run in that time span. Not much of a swing and miss guy. He wound up giving up. A, he wound up getting 15 strikeouts in that time span, but by and large was doing a very good job. And for Adam Wainwright, he's done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard as well. He's given up one home run for nine innings. Walks are a little bit of an issue, but with the Chicago Cubs, this is a team that has been trotting out there a little bit of a B team. You still do have a couple guys that are giving this team max effort. You've still got Kyle Schwarber out there, 37 home runs, 250 batting average. Ben Zobris and Wilson Contreras, along with Victor Carantini, only between a 264 and a 274. But then you got guys like Tony Kemp, Ian Happ, Albert Almora Jr. These guys have all been disappointments and are all hitting a 245 or worse. But Nico Horner still giving you a lot of effort, saying a 290. This is a young guy that wants to prove himself. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you got to think that this is a team that wants to win all these games because right now, going into Friday, they were a game up on the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. So you still have a race there. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up with their batting averages. You've got Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, Marcel Ozuna, and Harrison Bader. All in between a 215 and a 245. Though I will say this for Paul DeYoung and Marcelo Zuna, both have 29 home runs. Then you got 33 home runs at a 260 batting average out of Paul Goldschmidt. Got a lot of guys that are doing a decent job of getting on base as well, like your Yadier Molina's hitting a 270. Tommy Edmonds hitting a 300. Colton Wong's been on the injured list, but by and large, this is a good lineup capped by Dexter Fowler's only hitting 240. Went a little bit cold in that game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which he got a leadoff home run, and then I think he created eight straight outs. It's just something that you don't see happening. And for the St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs. Ever since the All-Star break, both these teams rank at the top three with regards to bullpen ERA, but Cubs bullpen seems to have tanked on the season. Craig Kimbrell just should not have been eating so many potato chips while he was on the couch until he got signed. Just was not going well for him. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals have all the motivation in the world to win this game. So for that reason, we're going to be looking at the total under, and we're going to be looking at the run line of the Cardinals. Right now, Cardinals' run line is even. I think that Adam Wainwright has a very good chance to be able to shut this team down, and I think that Cole Amos is going to be able to give you a good effort, but you just don't know it's going to be coming in behind them. And with regards to the total, looking to see if it ticks up to a 9, if at all possible. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting rotation is X. The Ears and the Diamondbacks are going to be playing OC San Diego Padres. You've got Garrett Richards going for the Padres. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray for the Ears and the Diamondbacks. If you're wanting to back Robbie Ray, here's the number. So call maybe in the words of Carly Ray Jepsen as you're laying minus 155. For the Padres, you're getting plus 145, and the total on this game is 9. Overjuice of minus 115, the under is minus 105. You want to know this with the San Diego Padres going into Friday. In games not played at Coors Field, in 25 out of the last 29, they had scored four earned runs or fewer. This is a team that is generating no offense whatsoever. 
But with Robbie Ray, this is a guy that's giving up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. Has not looked the same ever since he got a blister on his finger. You take a look at what he's done in the month of September. He's given up 300 runs or more in all but one of his starts. And he went fewer than four and two-thirds innings in two of those starts. You even dated back to August in his last start in the month of August. He gave up four runs there as well. This guy has just not looked like the same self. Meanwhile, with Garrett Richards, this is a guy that's trying to ramp himself up after spending just about the entire year on the injured list. You may recall he was a very good pitcher with the Angels throughout his career. He's given up right around .6 home runs per nine innings, but he's only made two starts so far, and he has not delivered a whole lot of length in those starts. A grand total of five and a third innings. He's given up seven runs, of which were earned. You just can't expect a whole lot of good things out of him, and that'll lead to a Padres bullpen that is doing for a little bit of positive regression, but at the same time just has not really put it together all year long, and it's a little bit too late to think that that's going to happen now. And for the Arizona and the Diamondbacks, this is a team that had been struggling with their bats at home and had been doing a good job of generating offense on the road. But that has actually changed recently. As for the Arizona and the Diamondbacks, God like what Eduardo Escobar is doing, 118 RBI, 35 home runs. You do have Cattell Marte out the fold. He was hitting a 320 with 31 home runs. But you do have Wilmer Flores in there. He's hitting above a 310. He hasn't been necessarily providing a lot of pop, but he does a great job of getting on base. Then you got a lot of guys hitting between a 245 and a 260. Tim LaCastro, Christian Walker, Adam Jones, Nick Ahmad, Carson Kelly, all in that fold. And for Carson Kelly and Nick Ahmad, they both have either 18 or 18 home runs. Christian Walker, 27 of them. And then you do have Gerard Dyson, who's only getting right around at 235, but one of the top ACRs out there in the big leagues. And for the San Diego Padres, this is a team that, with their starting lineup, trotted out there one guy with a batting average above a 250 that had more than 10 at-bats. No offense to the backup catcher who was hitting 300 and Luis Torrance, but he had 10 at-bats, so that really doesn't count. And the one man with that batting average, Eric Cosmer, 21 home runs, 97 RBI, hitting a 268. He's been great. I think you got a lot of guys that are in between, I would say, a 240 and a 250. Will Myers, Greg Garcia, Manny Machado, and Josh Nail are all in that fold. Whenever you've also got Francisco Mejia out there, spinning in the realm of a 270, but then got guys like Nick Martini, Manuel Margot, Luis Reyes, so many guys that are hitting below a 240 for this team. And I will say for Manny Machado, he does have 30 home runs, but he hasn't been providing a lot of pop recently, and Hunter Renfro just has been nowhere to be seen recently. So this is a spot where I'm certainly going to be taking a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, most likely on the run line. Currently, that run line price is a plus 120. I'm probably going to be looking at an over as well. I mentioned the stat about the San Diego Padres not generating a lot of runs. I think they probably get two or three here, but I think that the Arizona Diamondbacks achieve this over mostly by themselves, so that's why I'm going to be looking at both of these just in wait and see mode on both, just because you don't know what the Padres are going to be trotting out there with their lineup, to say the least. 9-13, 9-14 on the bagging rotation. It's like the Milwaukee Brewers at the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Chichi Gonzalez goes for the Colorado Rockies. Gio Gonzalez goes for the Milwaukee Brewers. And this battle of Gonzalez's is currently off the board because it was supposed to be Brandon Woodruff starting for the Milwaukee Brewers, so we have no line there. But I can tell you, when this line was posted, you were seeing the Colorado Rockies as pretty much a plus-170 underdog. The Brewers were laying in the neighborhood of a minus-180 and a minus-185, and you saw a total of 12. Gotta think that it's going to be down a little bit. Gio Gonzalez not priced quite the same as... Brandon Woodruff, but with that said, when I was looking at it at the time, I was certainly leaning to the under, and I was certainly leaning to the Brewers on the run line, and the Brewers' run line was right around even, so perhaps I'm going to be able to get a little bit of a plus price here. And with Gio Gonzalez, you got to think that he's probably going to be something like a pseudo-opener. He's actually been used as a bulk guy a lot recently, and this is a guy that he's doing a good job of being able to give you some good innings, but he just is not delivering a lot of length at this point. He has made four appearances in the month of September, all been between three and five innings, and he's given up three hundred 
runs over the course of those five appearances. Last time he actually gave a start, he got shelled, giving up seven runs over the course of five innings against the St. Louis Cardinals. So this team is figuring that the best way to be able to use them is through short bursts. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, over the last 30 days, bullpen ERA is hovering right around a 2-5 to a 2-6. They have been absolutely basketball best in the big leagues. And then with Chichi Gonzalez, you've actually got a guy that has turned things around. The Colorado Rockies wound up losing each of his first nine starts. They have won his last three, though. And in those last three starts, he has given a grand total of 15 innings, giving up two runs. And they probably should have won the previous one as well. He goes on the road against the LA Dodgers, six and a third innings. He gives up two runs. But this is a Colorado Rockies team that they just look absolutely helpless right now. But I will say this for the Colorado Rockies. They actually have the best batting average of any team at home out there in the big leagues. Top three in regards to runs per game on the road. They have the worst batting average of any team on the road in the big leagues. They're hitting at 230 on the road. At home, it's close to a 300. Their splits are so dramatic, it's not even funny. But the question is, who are the Colorado Rockies going to be trotting out there? Because we did see them with Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and Charlie Blackman on Friday. All these guys have between 31 and 41 home runs. In the case of Arenado, 41 home runs, 118 RBI, 315 batting average. Blackman is hitting at 316 with 31 dingers. And Trevor Story, 22 stolen bases, 34 home runs at a 295 batting average. And you did see quite a few guys that are doing a solid job for this team. Sam Milliard, Ryan McMahon. Tony Walters, Garrett Hampson, all in between a 250 and a 265, and then you got Daniel Murphy hanging at 275. Got to think that there's still some motivation there, but for the Milwaukee Brewers, you know that they're going to be motivated, and you got so many guys with such similar batting averages. Trent Grisham, Yasmani Grandal, Eric Thames, Mike Moustakis, who did wind up getting the day off yesterday, Lorenzo Kane, Cody Spangenberg, Ben Gamble, all guys hitting between a 243 and essentially a 258. I will say this for Eric Thames. He's got 24 home runs. Mike Bisakis, whenever he's out there, 35 of them. And then Yasmani Grandal, 27 slides nice. And then you got Ryan Braun doing a great job of getting a base 285 batting average. Kessin Harris hitting a 300. Got a couple guys that need to pick it up. Manny Pina, Hernan Perez, Travis Shaw, Orlando Arcia are all guys hitting a 240 or lower. But by and large, this is a Brewers team that has been getting the job done with pitching. And for that reason, I'm certainly going to be looking at an under. And as long as the run line price is still even money to plus money, I'm going to be looking at the Brewers on the run line. Keep in mind, going into Friday, this was a team that was 18-2 and in their last 28. 20- 20 games, hottest team in the big leagues, and I think that they're able to cool down the Rockies here. 915-916 on the bang rotation is X. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Ulysse Justine goes for the Boston Red Sox. Meanwhile, Jonathan Means for the Baltimore Orioles. Your total on this game is 10.5. Over juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Boston Red Sox, going to be laying minus 160. Plus price here on the Baltimore Orioles is plus 150. Certainly a spot where I'm going to be looking at the Baltimore Orioles. Jonathan Means will end up giving up five runs in a start a few weeks ago against the Detroit Tigers, but by and large, this is a guy that is certainly getting the job done. In six out of his last seven starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer. All in all for the year, he's got a 354 ERA. He's done a good job of being able to limit the hard contact. He's not necessarily much a swing and miss guy for the year. He's given you right around seven-ish strikeouts per nine innings, but he certainly has been doing his part. Meanwhile, with Mr. Ulysse Jassin, his first couple starts with the Boston Red Sox were going well. Over his last two, he wound up giving up a grand total of eight runs in just under seven innings. So needless to say, it seems as though this experiment with him as a pseudo-opener is no longer going so well. And for the Boston Red Sox, going into their series with the Texas Rangers, they had a top five bullpen with regards to ERA over the last month and a half from August until like mid-September. The bottom has really fallen out for this group right now. That they're 
just absolutely taxed. They're giving up a whole bunch of runs. And for the Baltimore Orioles, this is a team that actually has a pride, and they're doing a good job of being able to generate some offense, and that is all led by Trey Boomo Mancini. Mr. Mancini hitting just below a 295. He's got on the year 34 home runs. Renato Nunes has went deep 30 times. He's hitting at 245. And then you got Rio Ruiz, Dwight Smith Jr., along with DJ Stewart, along between a 230 and a 245 as well. Jonathan Villar doing a nice job beginning on base. He's hitting a 275. Hayes and Roberto sitting a 300. Austin, the Say Hayes kid, is hitting a 300 as well. Do have a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the bats. So, Chancisco, Chase Peterson, Chris Davis, Richie Martin, a couple other guys currently hitting a 225 or lower. I forgot about Stevie Wilkerson. I'm sorry. But then for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that is resting a couple guys, which is why you're seeing Scott Travis, Jackie Bradley Jr., Gerkes Hernandez, and Centeno right now at the catcher spot. And you also have Sandy Leon. All these guys that are hitting a 225 or lower, but top of the lineup is still very good. Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, along with J.D. Martinez, only between a 300 and a 310, all between 31 and 35 home runs. Buki Betts is hitting a 290 whenever you have Andrew Benetini and Christian Stewart out there. Both these guys hitting between a 265 and a 275. And Mitch Moreland is up to his average right around a 255. He's got some pop in the bat for the Boston Red Sox. This is a team that going into Friday had been playing their totals over each of their last seven and went over. This is a spot where I'm probably going to be looking at an under though, just because I think that Jonathan Means is going to be able to put out the fire here. I think that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be the team that does a lot of the scoring. So for that reason, looking Orioles and under in this spot, would like to be able to get 11 on the total instead of 10 and a half for a little bit of insurance. And I certainly think that the public money is going to be coming in the bus for Red Sox. So I'm going to be in wait see mode on both of those. 917-918 as X on the bank rotation as you've got the Toronto Blue Jays playing also the Tampa Bay Rays. Ryan Yarbrough goes for the Rays. Meanwhile, Trent Thornton for the Toronto Blue Jays. This game is presently off the board, and this is a spot where I'm certainly going to be looking at the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a team with a lot to play for with regards to the wild card. Who's going to be hosting it? I'm doing this as we don't know whether or not the Rays and the Indians were able to win or lose on Friday, but with that said, this is a spot where it could be a little bit tricky as well because Ryan Yarbrough was doing an absolutely masterful job from, I would say, mid-July until late August. He had a stretch of 11 starts in which he gave up more than one earned run in two of them and more than three earned runs in just one. He had been terrific. The month of September has not been polite to him, and you even date back to the month of August. In each of his last five starts, he's given up at least three earned runs. He's given up four-plus in three out of his last four. Things certainly not going well there, but you do note that with the Tampa Bay race, they back him up with one of the top bullpens that you're going to find. And for Trent Thornton, this is a guy with some pretty good stuff. He's got a 5-9 and nine record with a 5 ERA, but you do also want to note that the Toronto Blue Jays have been using some openers for him, so that is something that you do want to note a couple of hours before you submit your ticket and everything like that. But for Trent Thornton, this is a guy that got lit up in the month of July in three out of his four starts. He gave up four plus earned runs. But ever since the beginning of the month of August, he has given up more than three earned runs in just two out of his last 10 starts. And prior to his start against the New York Yankees on the road in his last one, he had given up more than three earned runs in just one out of his last nine. And in the month of September, this is a gentleman that's given up six runs in four starts. So he is doing a solid job and he's actually performed quite well against the Tampa Bay Rays as well. He's backed up by an average bullpen of the Toronto Blue Jays. Nothing great, but nothing awful. But with the Toronto Blue Jays, your big trepidation with this team has to be the fact that they're just not generating a whole lot of batting average in general. You take a look at what they trotted out there on 
Friday, they had two guys in the fold that had a batting average above a 270. That would be Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting a 271 and Reese McGuire. You do have Roberto Urania who's hitting right around a 265, which is nice, but then you got Randall Grichik, Teoscar Hernandez, Justin Smoke, guys of that ilk. They're hitting for 20-plus home runs, but at the same time, these are all guys that have a batting average of a 235 or lower. Kevon Biggio has an on-base percentage of a 365, but he's going in a 233. But then got guys like Billy McKinney, Derek Fisher, every catcher not named Reese McGuire. All these guys are not generating power, and they're not generating any average. Meanwhile, for today at the Bay Rays, got to love what Austin Meadows is doing for the team. 32 home runs, 292 batting average. Then you've got Tommy Fram. Tommy Pham, Brandon Lowe, Avisail Garcia, Nate Lowe as well. All these guys hitting between a 269 and just above a 280. Got a couple of guys that need to pick it up with the bat. Joy Wendell, Kevin Kiermaier, Guillermo Radia, along with Mike Zanino. All guys hitting a 240 or lower, but Willie Adams is hitting a 250. He's got 20 plus home runs as well. Travis Arnaud is hitting right around 250 as well. He's been able to go yard for this team quite a bit. This is a very balanced Tampa Bay Rays team. Probably going to be looking at a under in this spot. I do think that Ryan Yarbrough is going to be able to pick it up. I think that we're going to get good Ryan Yarbrough in the start. And with Trent Thorne, I like his recent form, but unless if I really see something out of the Toronto Blue Jays with like Bo Bichette and all these guys coming back, probably going to be looking at the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR's 41 since we have no game on the board. 919-920 on the bang rotation is X. You've got the Detroit Tigers sitting the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Renaldo Lopez is the projected starter for the Chicago White Sox. Meanwhile, Matthew Boyd for the Detroit Tigers. This is a game that is presently off the board and with a doubleheader that was supposed to be played yesterday between the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago White Sox game postponed, you might see a change in pitchers. You might see a doubleheader. We have absolutely no idea whatsoever what is going to be going down in this game. So for that reason, I will direct you to the New York Post. I wrote up the matchup of Ronaldo Lopez and Matthew Boyd in depth there. I can tell you right now, though, Regardless of who is going for the Detroit Tigers, I'm probably going to be looking at the Chicago White Sox unless if there's a harebrained price. With the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that has so many guys that are lacking right now. You do have Victor Reyes along with Aero Castro, both in between a 290 and a 300. Whenever you got Miguel Cabrera out there, sitting at 280. Jody Mercer is hitting at 270. But then Brandon Dixon right now leading the team in home runs. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got about three days left in the season in the juice ball era, and the Detroit Tigers leader in home runs has 15 of them. That says it all right there. And for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team that, in regards to runs per game, ever since the beginning of the month of September, top five in the league. You're getting a bunch of guys that are coming through. you got Jose Abreu, right around 120 RBI, 33 home runs. He's hitting a 280. Lloris Garcia is hitting between a 275 along with James McCann. They're doing a great job of getting on base. You then also have Yohan Mankata hitting above a 300. Daniel Polka, somehow, someway, got two home runs in the team's last game against the Cleveland Indians. He, along with Zach Collins, Blungson, Castillo, Ryan Cordell, all hitting a 230 or worse, but they've been picking it up. You've even got Yomer Sanchez hitting right around 255 for this team. Eloy Jimenez, whenever he's out there, he's got 30 home runs. His batting average is above a 265. This is a team that is certainly getting the job done. And I haven't even mentioned Tim Anderson, the leader in batting average in the American League. This is just a spot where if you've got a single header, if you've got a double header, probably going to be looking at the Chicago White Sox. And I will throw this out there for Matthew Boyd. Since the beginning of the month of June, he's giving up right around 2.6 home runs per nine innings. The Detroit Tigers have won four out of his last 19 starts. And for 
Rinaldo Lopez. He's got an ERA right around a seven over the course of his last eight starts as well. And sprinkled in there was a one hitter against the Cleveland Indians. So needless to say, things have not gone well there. If we do wind up getting Boyd against Ronaldo Lopez, going to be taking an over. I was seeing that number right around a nine and a half of even offshore when it was posted. So that is my early lean there. And I would probably be looking at the Chicago White Sox in some form or capacity. I was seeing that minus 145 and I was leaning money line there. So early leans, if that is the matchup that we get, if we get a different pitch matchup. Probably still going to be on the White Sox. Probably going to be on and over. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Junior's 41 cents. This is a very sicky situation. We move on to 921-922 on the bank rotation. You've got the Minnesota Twins in the road face-off against Kansas City Royals. Glenn Sparkman goes for the Royals. Meanwhile, Martin Perez for the Minnesota Twins. Your total on this game is 10.5 over juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, going to be laying minus 180 plus price here of the Kansas City Royals is plus 165. I will give this to Glenn Sparkman. He is a better pitcher at home than he is on the road. On the road, this is a guy that's hanging an ERA above an 8.5. It has been absolutely awful for him. Needless to say, he is a guy that you want no part in. At home, he's been doing a little bit better, but even take a look at his most recent home start. Gives up four runs of four innings to the poopy Detroit Tigers. He has given up three earned runs or more in each of his last three home starts, so even this is starting to fail him. He's giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. And worst of all, he's backed up by a bullpen that is in the bottom three in the American League in regards to ERA pretty much at any metric that you look. Last three days since the All-Star break, beginning of the year, it has not been good. And they have to face off against the Minnesota Twins team that right now is having the record for most home runs on the road in a season, most home runs per game in a season, and most home runs in general in a season. And you've got so many guys in the Minnesota Twins that are just absolutely mashing. Nelson Cruz, 305 batting average, 40 home runs. Eddie Rosario, along with Mitch Garver, hitting between a 270 and a 280. Both these guys, 30 plus home runs. Williams Estadio is hitting a 270. Then you got guys like CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope. List of guys goes on and on. They're hitting between, I would say, a 250 and a 265. They have 20 plus home runs. You got Miguel to know with over 33 home runs. He's getting a home run every 12 or so at bats. It's insane. And for the Kansas City Rails, do have a couple guys that are d- doing a decent job with bat. Chester Cuthbert along with Alex Gordon hitting between a 255 and a 270. Hunter Dozier has right around 27 to 28 home runs. He's hitting a 280. Whit Merrifield's hitting a 300. And then Ryan McBroom hitting above a 300 as well. And then Jorge Soler, 110 RBI, 45 home runs, 262 batting average is nice. But then you got the famine bats of the team. Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, Nick Dini, my Breeze, Valoria, Brett Phillips, Bubba Starlin, Umberto Ortega. I could probably name a couple more. All these guys hitting a 220 or lower. I will say for Nicky Lopez, he's now hitting a 241, but not a lot of redeeming qualities here. The Minnesota Twins have had a late average bullpen, I would say, since the All-Star break. It seems to be improving a little bit as well, so there's redeeming qualities there. And I will say for Martin Perez, this is a guy that ever since the All-Star break, his ERA is north of a 6 as well. He certainly has not been lights out. You may recall a couple starts ago, he wound up giving five he wound up giving up five runs in an inning to the Detroit Tigers. Needless to say, that is not good for him. He's giving up right around one and a half home runs per nine innings. ERA for the year north of five. So this is a spot where I'm certainly going to be looking at an over, but I think that runs are going to be a plenty, and I think that the Twins team is going to be able to bail him out. So looking run line and over in this spot with the Twins run line that's currently minus 125. So I'm in Wayne Seymour there, and I'm going to be all aboard this over. Would like to be able to lay a little bit less juice. I will point out, on ESPN right now, it says to be determined starter for the Minnesota Twins, but the betting board says 
says Martin Perez. So keep that in mind before firing on this game. 923, 924 on the bang rotation is X. All the rest of these games, by the way, are off the board. 923, 924 is Luis Severino of the New York Yankees. And they are hitting the road facing off against the Texas Rangers. And for the Texas Rangers, currently up on the Vegas betting board, we've got to be determined. I hear he's a little bit of a mystery, but can sometimes deliver some good heat. And on ESPN, we've got good old to be determined. So this is a spot where you got to think that the Yankees going to be a very hefty favorite. And for the New York Yankees, this is a team that's played over 60% of their road games to the over. But Luis Severino, in his two starts back, has been absolutely masterful. Nine innings across those two starts. He has 13 strikeouts. He's not given up a single run, just two walks. He looks like the Luis Severino that we saw in the first half of last year. The second half, he had an ERA north of five. You could tell that he was not right. But right now, he is doing an absolutely tremendous job. And for the New York Yankees, this is a team that's a little bit banged up. You've got Gary Sanchez along with Edwin Encarnacion a pair of guys with batting averages between a 235 and a 245 that have 33 plus home runs. They've been in and out of the fold, though I will say that Gary Sanchez was in the lineup yesterday, so obviously a good sign, but you still have a lot of guys that are doing a great job of being on base. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, Glaber Torres, Cameron Maben, Mike Talkman, only between a 270 and 280. And for Glaber Torres, he's got 38 home runs. John Carlos Stanton went deep yesterday. DJ LeMay is hitting right around 330. Gio Rochelle is hitting at 315. Brett Gardner is hitting at 250. You've got Mike Ford. Whenever he's out there, he's hitting at 250. He's got some pop in the bat. This is a team that, even if they trot out there, their B team, it's still a very good offense. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, ever since the beginning of the month of August, they're one of the top five teams to the under out there in the big leagues. And it's because you don't have a lot of guys that are supplying a lot of power. Sinchu Chu, Willie Calhoun, along with No Mazzara, only between a 264 and a 274. In the case of Chu, Willie Calhoun, and Mazzara, between 19 and 23 home runs. And then for Danny Santana, he's won team 27 times, 285 batting average, but he has won the highest whiff rates out there in the, bay, in the big leagues. Nick Solak has been a nice fine for the CP, sitting above a 300 and his on-base percentage right around 400. But then you got the family bats of this team. Steve Heineman, along with Rudinando Dorr, Ronald Guzman, Jeff Mathis, and Tim Fedorowicz, all guys hitting a 215 or lower. I will say Delano DeShields Jr., good base dealer. He and Jose Trevino in between a 245 and a 255, but this is a Texas Rangers team that has one of the worst bullpen ERAs out there in the big leagues. It was saved a couple days ago by Mike Miner delivering like 126 pitches. That was absolutely ridiculous. And for the New York Yankees, you've got a great bullpen, even with some of the B-team guys, because you still have like Tommy Canely and Adam Adovino. They typically pitch with the B-team guys as well. So if you're seeing a total of like 11 or something like that, going to be taking it under. If you're seeing something in the single digits, probably going to be looking at it over and certainly going to be looking Yankees run line here. But as well, you check back in the morning, I'm at your defeat at Juniors, 41 for set plays there. 925-926 on the making rotation. The LA Angels are going to be playing LCS and Astros. Justin Verlander goes for the Astros. Meanwhile, Jose Suarez for the LA Angels. This is a game that is presently off the board. You got to think that there might be a possibility that the Angels use an opener for Suarez. He has had an opener used for him the last couple times. That happened when the Houston Astros closed as a minus 675 favorite at Heritage in the last time that these two teams hooked up with Justin Verlander starting. And for Jose Suarez, well, things have not gone well for him. This is a gentleman that has given up three or more earned runs in all but two of his starts and or bulk appearances ever since July 25th. He has not been relegated out of the fold. I don't know why. He's got a 734 ERA. He is giving up more than two and a half home runs per nine innings, right around three and a half walks per nine. Doesn't have great swing and miss stuff. 
Whip of a 168. I always say that if your whip would make a pretty good bench rest for a set of 10, things are not going well. I wish I could do a buck 68 for a set of 10. Meanwhile, Justin Verlander, 20 and 6 record, 081 whip. He has done a good job of being able to limit the long ball. That had been his bugaboo. I think he's given up two of them over the course of the last month. He's been doing a great job there. Now, I will say, in his last start against the Angels, he did give up two runs over the course of five innings. Wasn't necessarily his sharpest outing, but. This is still a guy that's given up more than three earned runs once since the All-Star break. He's facing off against an LA Angels team that they are trotting out there, the re-team, and it's not necessarily by choice. It's because you've got Justin Upton, Shoei Otani, and Mike Trout all out for the year, which means that Daniel Fletcher, along with Tommy LaSalle, which I don't know how Tommy LaSalle was back at the fold, but he was yesterday, are the only two guys in the lineup that are getting above a 260. Both these guys getting between a 290 and 300. And for Tommy LaSalle, this is a guy that actually has been pretty good this year. He's getting a home run every 15 or so at bats. That's going to be a welcome addition. You then have Cole Calhoun hitting a 230. He's got 33 home runs. Albert Pools, along with Kyle Coward, are in between a 245 and a 250. In the case of Pools, 23 home runs at 93 RBI. But past that, you don't have much with this team. Wilfredo Tovar, Austin Bemboom, Michael Hermosillo, Matt Theus, Justin Bohr. List goes on and on of guys that are hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Meanwhile, with the Houston Astros, you got to think that they're going to be resting starters, but you saw pretty much the A-team out there yesterday. George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuri Gurriel. All guys are hitting a 289 or greater with 20-plus home runs for this team. It's absolutely insane. And then in the case of Gurriel, Bregman, Altuve, and Springer, 30-plus home runs for all those guys. Kyle Tucker hitting a 290 for this bunch. Jack Mayfield has not been very good with his batting average, but you got to think yeah, he's going to be able to pick it up. Got guys like Miles Straw that are able to do a good job as well. Josh Reddick is hitting a 270. And Robin Cicerinos recently has been doing a great job with his bat as well. This is a spot where anything below $4 is an automatic play on the Houston Astros run line. If you're seeing something like where we saw last week, the Angels approaching $5, I might take a look at it. And if this total is 8 or lower, I think that the Astros have a chance to get there all by themselves and we'll probably look at it over. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 says, it's always tricky whenever you have these just absolutely insane lines. 927-928 is next on the bang rotation. The Oakland A's at the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Marco Gonzalez goes for the Mariners. Meanwhile, Brett Anderson for the A's. I have no idea why this game's off the board since this is a pitching matchup that we've expected for many days, but it currently is, and this is a situation where I'm probably going to be looking at the Oakland A's. I will say, though, for the Seattle Mariners, Marco Gonzalez, probably the one starter that you can actually rely upon. He has given up more than four earned runs really once ever since July 16th. So he hasn't necessarily been exploded upon. I think he's given up more than three earned runs just three times. He gave up two four spots and a five spot over the course of his last 12 starts. So nothing great, but at the same time, 16 and 12 record. He's giving up right around one home run per nine innings, just over 2.4 walks per nine. He has been solid. Meanwhile, Brad Anderson does a great job of being able to generate soft contact right around 1.05 home runs per nine innings, 12 and nine record, for ERA, he's nothing flashy, he's nothing spectacular, but at the same time, this is a man that's given up more than three earned runs just once in his last 10 starts. He's just been a steady Eddie pitcher for this team, for the Oakland A's. The bullpen has been a little bit up and down, but it seems to be improving with Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck being able to give this team some very good innings. And for the Oakland A's, this is a team that just absolutely mashes lefties. You've got Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, all with between 32 and 36 home runs. In the case of Simeon, he's hitting a 285. LeBron Loreno is hitting a 290 as well. 
If you got Jamin inning Rory around a 245, which is where Jeff Feigley and Jeb Pinner is inning the, all these guys in between a 246 and a 235. Then you got Matt Olson inning a 270. Chris Davis is only inning a 220 for the year, but he's been giving the team a little bit of production. Sheldon Noose, along with Murphy, are two guys that whenever you need them, they're hitting right around a 275. They've been doing a solid job in limited at-bats. And then you also have Marcana hitting a 275, 26 home runs. And for the Seattle Mariners, this is a team that is really trying to find out what they've got with some of their younger guys. And it's actually pretty good. Kyle Lewis, Shed Long, Tom Murphy, Omar Navias, all guys in between a 270 and 285. In the case of Murphy, along with Narvaez, they've got 40 home runs at the catcher spot. Absolutely terrific. Kyle Seeger, 22 home runs, 240 batting average. He got off to an absolutely awful start, so that's actually very good for him. Austin Knowles hitting right around a 265. You got Walton at the second base, batting at 250. Got a couple guys that need to pick it up with their bat. Daniel Vogelback, along with Dylan Moore, Malik Smith, Keon Broxton, Ryan Court, Kyle Fraley. This goes on and on of guys are in a 225 or lower. Ben Bishop, I'm so- sorry, I forgot about him, but you do have Alex Smith, who has 45 stolen bases. That does lead the league. D. Gordon, whenever he's out there, he's hitting right around 270 as well. And for Daniel Vogelback, though he's only hitting a 208 on base percentage, more than 130 points higher than his batting average, and he does have 30 home runs as well. So this is one of these situations where if you're seeing a total of like a 9, I'd probably be looking at an under because I actually do trust in Marco Gonzalez. Bullpen behind him is not very good, but I think he'll be able to hold down the fort and give a good start. But certainly going to be looking at the Oakland A's in some form of capacity. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed. And we wrap things up with 929, 930 on the bang rotation. The Washington Nationals play also the Cleveland Indians. Adam Blutko goes for the Cleveland Indians. Meanwhile, Patrick Corbin for the Washington Nationals. Another game that I have no idea why it's off the board, but it's currently off the board. And for Adam Blutko, we were talking about it with our good buddy Adam Burke. Unfortunately, the audio didn't have the quality that I desired, but Adam Plutko has been giving you the results that you've been desiring because he's given up more than three home runs in just one out of his last eight starts. He began the year giving up a whole bunch of home runs, and he still is very much a fly ball pitcher, but now he's given up more around 1.8 home runs per nine innings. He has been just a very solid pitcher recently. He's not a guy that you're going to look to for a whole bunch of swings and misses and everything like that, but at the same time, he is doing a very solid job there, and he's backed up by a top two bullpen with regards to ERA in the big leagues all year long, but he is really, really up against it against Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin, over his last 10 home starts, has an ERA hovering right around a 1-1 to a 1-2. This is a guy that's not giving up a lot of home runs. He had a little bit of a tough stretch between, I would say, late May and June, but he has really gotten past that. And for the Washington Nationals, this is a team that is in the top two in the National League in regards to runs per game in the National League ever since the All-Star break. As you've got Trey Turner and Adam Eaton in between a 280 and a 300 at the top lineup. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, a pair of guys with an on-base percentage above a 400. Both have 34 to 35 home runs. Both have 105 plus RBI. And they are really doing a great job in the middle of the lineup. Howie Kendrick is hitting nearly a 350. Do have a couple guys that need to pick it up with the bat. Gerardo Parra, Matt Adams. Brian Dozier, Jan Gomes, Michael A. Taylor, all in a 240 or lower, but ever since Azurba Cabrera came into the fold, he has been absolutely terrific. He, along with Victor Robles, are hitting between a 250 and a 260, and ever since coming over to the Washington Nationals, Ezra Cabrera has been hitting closer to a 300 for the Nationals. Obviously, the big bugaboo of this team is the bullpen. It has ranked in the bottom five of the big leagues all year long. It is dead last for the year in the big leagues. But I will say this. Over the last 30 days, Cleveland Indians bullpen has been in the bottom half 
half of the big leagues with regards to ERA as well. So recent form leads me to the Washington Nationals and likely an under if you're seeing a total of nine or more early plays there. As always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41. My apologies on it being able to give as many set plays there, but hopefully you enjoyed the analysis right here on the Saturday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our man Adam Burke of Bang the Book Radio for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And for every question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at GNRS41. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.